If you Google the phrase human being, you just get in Google and, and, and search the phrase human being, you're going to find a definition that says something like this. A human being is a man or woman of the species Homo sapiens. They're distinguished from other animals by superior mental development, articulate speech, middle school boys would be excluded from that category, and upright stance. <laughs> it's, hey, offensive, that's a big word. Good job, I take that back. Good job, middle school boys. Good job, good job. Man, we're off, we're off to, a, to a great start tonight. So that's the definition you would get if you looked up human being. You know, science tells us that human beings share 99% of their genetic makeup with chimpanzees. That they really aren't all that different from other species, and we are just a slightly more developed version of primates. That's kind of what science has to say about what it means to be a human being. But here's what I want to do. For the next few weeks, there's a question that I want us to try to answer, and the question is this. What does it mean to be human from a biblical perspective? What does it mean to be human from a biblical perspective? You see, anytime we are faced with big questions in life, questions like, who am I? Where did I come from? What is my purpose? I believe that it's important to approach these questions from a biblical perspective. That doesn't mean that science is irrelevant and doesn't mean that we ignore science and science has no, no role in answering those questions, but it means that the Bible is seen as our primary source of truth. The Bible is the lens through which we interpret all other information and all other facts that we hear and that we read. Now, I recognize that not everyone sees the Bible as a source of truth. For many people, they see the Bible as an outdated, irrelevant book that really has no place in our modern society. They see it as a book filled with fairy tales and some helpful teachings from Jesus. But before we jump into, uh, into the series, I want to just briefly explain why I have chosen personally to view the Bible as the primary source for truth. Why I see the Bible as relevant and reliable in our lives today. You see, the reason I trust and believe the Bible is not because my parents told me to, although they certainly did. The reason I trust and believe the Bible isn't because that's what I was taught growing up in church, while it certainly was what I was taught growing up. The reason I believe and trust the Bible is because Jesus did. Jesus viewed the scriptures as the primary source of truth and the primary source of authority. And the reason I trust Jesus is fairly simple. Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection and he pulled it off. He said, look, I'm going to die, and three days later, I'm going to come back to life. And then Jesus did that. And I'm a simple guy, and I don't know about you, but if somebody predicts their own death and resurrection, and then they pull it off, I kind of just go with whatever they have to say about anything. I want to have the same view of Scripture, the same view of, Bible, of the Bible that, that Jesus had, which means this, is that I look to the Bible to answer life's biggest questions. I look to the Bible to inform my opinion about the biggest political and social issues. I look to the Bible to determine how I view life around me. 
And the Bible, at the end of the day, has the ultimate authority in my life. The Bible has the final say over what is true and what is right in my life. Now, I know for all of you that might not be the case. For many of you, it is. But if you are a follower of Jesus, I think the Bible has to play a crucial primary role in how you think about life, how you view things around you. You see, the Bible, it obviously tells us a lot about God. It tells us who God is. It tells us characteristics about God. It tells us this story that God has been writing since the beginning of time. But the Bible also tells us a lot about human beings. It tells us where we came from. It tells us who we are. It tells us what makes us unique. The Bible is actually almost like this this textbook for what it means to be human. And I don't think we can truly understand what it means to be human apart from the Bible. And tonight what I want us to do is I want us to look at one of the most foundational passages in Scripture. A passage that really explains to us what humanity is all about. It shows what it means to be human. And it's a passage that has incredible relevance and importance in our lives today. It's a passage that teaches us how to view ourselves. It's a passage that shows us how to treat other people. And it's a passage that I believe informs our opinion and our views on some of the biggest political and social issues in our world today. So in Genesis chapter 1, we have an account of how God created the universe. Now, there are a lot of different interpretations and different views of Genesis chapter 1. There's a lot of debate about it. There's a lot of debate over what does God mean when, when it says that God created this in, in day 1 or day 2, day 3. What, what does God mean? How long were those days? There's a lot of debate over how old is the universe? How old is the earth? There's a lot of debate over, you know, should we read Genesis 1 literally? Or is it more poetic? Or is it more figurative? There's a lot of debate, a lot of different interpretations. But I don't want us to get caught up in those things. You see, the primary emphasis, the primary focus of Genesis 1 is that God is the creator. And that the universe, it didn't come about just by some random accident. The universe was designed on purpose with a purpose. The universe was designed by a creator. And in Genesis chapter 1, towards the end of the chapter, in verse 26, it says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind. He created humans in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Here in the very first chapter of the Bible, we discover the origin of human beings. That human beings were designed, were created on purpose by God. And human beings were placed on earth with a purpose. They were given a mission. They were given a mandate. And that mission was to be fruitful and to multiply and to rule over the earth. And then it says that God blessed them in this mission. God blessed them with this this command that he had given them. But what you notice here in Genesis chapter 1 is the creation of human beings is different from the creation of all the other species. 
When God made the other species, when he made the birds, when he made the fish, when he made the animals, it said that God created them according to their kind. He created them according to their kind. But then when it talks about how God created human beings, it doesn't say that he created us according to our kind. It says that God created us. We were made in the image and likeness of God. We were created in the image and likeness of God. We were set apart. We were distinct from the rest of creation. But what does this mean? What does it mean that, that you and I were created in the image and likeness of God? Let me tell you a few things it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you and I physically look like God. Like we're, we're not a picture of what God looks like physically. It doesn't mean that we possess all of God's attributes. We're not all-knowing. We're not all-powerful. We're not eternal. It doesn't mean that we possess those attributes. It doesn't mean that we're like many knockoff versions of God. That's not what it means when God says that we were created in his image. Here's what it means. It means that we reflect and represent God to the world. To be created in the image of God means that we reflect and represent God to the world. I want you to think about a, a mirror. And my wife get me a mirror today. She picked up a metallic pink mirror for me tonight. Very appreciative, Brooke. I want you to think about a mirror. A mirror by itself really doesn't have any value. It really doesn't have any, any purpose. All it is is just a, a, a piece of glass. A mirror's value, a mirror's purpose is fulfilled when light shines into the mirror, when light begins to reflect into the mirror. You see, whatever is facing a mirror, whatever a mirror is facing and positioned towards, the mirror is an accurate reflection of whatever it's facing. It fulfills its purpose. It finds its value when it begins to reflect something else. And you see, you and I, we're just like this mirror. Our value, our purpose in life does not come from within ourselves. Just like a mirror does not have value in and of itself. Our purpose, our value comes when we begin to reflect God. When God begins to shine his light, when God begins to shine his glory on us, and we begin to reflect him. We begin to reflect God's character. We reflect God's goodness. We reflect his love, his kindness, and his compassion. But you see, in order for us to reflect God, it means just like a mirror, we have to be pointed towards him. We have to be pointed in his direction. We have to be facing towards him. We can't reflect him if we aren't faced towards him. Because ultimately, we reflect what we face. Which means this. If your life is turned towards something other than your creator, if your life is facing something other than God, then you will never experience true value and true purpose in your life. Because you were designed, you were created to reflect God's image in your life. It's only when you begin to face God, when his light, his glory begins to shine on you, when you begin to accurately reflect him, that you begin to live your true purpose, where you find true value and true significance. And you see, as we face towards God, as we begin to reflect God with our lives, here's what happens. We're able to represent God to the world. 
we're able to be a picture to the world of what God is like. We're able to be a picture to the world of God's character, of God's love, of God's grace, of his mercy, of his compassion. But we can only do this if our lives are faced towards God, if we are beginning to reflect God's character in our life. You have been created. You have been designed in God's image. You've been designed to reflect and represent God to the world. But what are the implications of this? Like, you know, this is this kind of intellectual, theological thing. Like, how does this matter for your life today? What difference does this make in our world now? How does the idea that we're made in the image of God impact how we live our lives? You see, I think this is one of the most relevant passages for our lives today. And for the next few minutes, what I want to do is I want us to see how being made in God's image impacts how we view three different areas in life. The first one is this. Being made in God's image impacts how we view other people. It impacts how we view people. You know, if you look at the, the scientific theory for, for human origin, that, that, that humans were just created by this random accident, that we really aren't all that different from, from primates, that we weren't really designed with any kind of purpose, there was no intentionality behind us, we're just a result of this, this random accident. If that is the case, if the scientific theory is true, then here's, here's the conclusion of that. There is no basis for saying or arguing that humans have value and dignity. If your life is just a complete random accident without any design, without any purpose, then there is no basis for arguing that human lives have true value and true dignity. There was a man named Oliver Wendell Holmes. He was one of the former Supreme Court justices in the United States, a very successful, powerful, intellectual man. And he believed in the scientific theory for the origin of humans. And listen to the conclusion that he came to. He said, I see no reason for attributing to a man, attributing to a human, a significance different in kind from that which belongs to a baboon or to a grain of sand. That's a pretty bold statement. He's saying, I see no reason for seeing human beings as more valuable than a monkey or a grain of sand. He says that's the logical conclusion if you believe that humans are the result of just some random accident. And here's the thing. If the scientific theory for our origin is correct, he's absolutely right. Like human beings, we may be more complex than other species, but we are no more significant than any other species or anything on the planet if we were just the result of some random chance. But if we take the creation account seriously, if we truly believe that God created human beings in his image, then every single person has value and significance because every single person has been made in the image of God. You see, if we truly believe this, that we have been created, that we have been designed in the image of God, then it changes the way that we view other people and it changes the way that we treat other people. I want you to hear what, what James has to say about this in James chapter 3. He says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness, 
who have been made in God's image. He says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. What's James saying here? Let me give you kind of a modern paraphrase. He's saying, you can't go to church on Wednesday night and sing the songs and praise God and talk about how good God is in your small group. And then 20 minutes later, get in your car to go home and mistreat and belittle your sibling or mistreat and disrespect your parents. He's saying those things aren't compatible. You can't do that. And he says the reason you can't do that, the reason you can't mistreat somebody else like that is because that person has been made in God's image. You can't in one minute praise the creator and then the very next moment turn around and trash his creation. You can't praise the artist, the designer, and then trash his art. Which is why when Jesus was asked, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? What is the greatest commandment out of all the commandments? He said this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment. He says, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus is saying that our love for God is expressed in our love for other people. That the way we love other people or the way we don't love other people reveals how much we truly love God. If we truly believe that each and every person has been created in God's image, it has to change the way we view them. It has to change the way that we treat them. Because all of God's creation, all people have been marked with God's image. We can't separate the creator from his creation. We can't praise the creator and then mistreat his creation. The image of God changes how we view people. But secondly is this, the image of God changes how we view life. Changes how we view life. You see, the Jesus movement It began in the heart of the Roman Empire. This was a very hostile and difficult environment. And it was a place where all life was not considered equal. The elderly, the disabled, the sick, and the unborn were considered inferior. Their lives were not considered significant or valuable. But the ministry of Jesus here on earth, it revealed God's heart for all life. You see, Jesus, he went out of his way to serve those who were oppressed, to serve those who were marginalized, to serve those who were seen as less than and insignificant. Jesus was a champion for all life, for every single life. And the earliest Christians they modeled Jesus' example. You see, there was this, this awful practice known as infanticide. And what infanticide was was this. When, when parents had children, if they had a baby that was, was sick or disabled, sometimes if they, they had a girl and instead wanted a boy, they would take their baby, they would take their newborn baby, they would place it outside, they would discard the baby, and they would leave it there to die. Like, this was a a common practice in the Roman Empire because they didn't view the lives of everybody. They didn't view the lives of infants as being significant or valuable. But here's what the Christians did. 
the earliest Christians, they did something about this. They would take these babies that were discarded, that were left to die, and they would care for them, they would raise them, and they would love them as if they were their own children. These infants that were sick, that were disabled, that were seen as less than, that were seen as insignificant and not worthy of life, they would bring them in, raise them, and love them. And why did they do this? Because they believed that these children, that these babies were created in the image of God. They believed that all life was valuable, that all life was significant. You see, they understood that people's worth, people's value, is not based upon their, their intellect or based upon their ability. That people's worth, people's value, comes from the fact that they have been made in God's image. And as followers of Jesus, we have been commanded to be champions for all life. To be champions for the unborn, for the disabled, for the sick, for the outcast, for those who cannot fight for their own lives. And as followers of Jesus, we do not judge people's value and their worth based upon their intellectual capacity, based upon how developed they are, or based upon what they're able to contribute to society. We judge people's value, we judge people's worth based on who they were created by. Meaning that each and every life has value and each and every life is worth fighting for. Because every single life, every single person has been created and designed in the image of God. Being made in the image of God impacts how we view life. And finally, number three, being made in the image of God impacts how we view civil rights. How we view civil rights. If you've watched the news or been on social media for more than five minutes, you know that, that civil rights, people's individual freedoms and rights have been a very hot topic over the past nine months. There have been protests and social media movements that have been fighting for people's equal rights and equal freedom. And let me just preface this by, by saying this is not some kind of political statement. I'm not endorsing some kind of political movement. Like if you know me, you know I'm not super political. Like I don't post about this stuff, I don't talk about this stuff. I just wanna preface it by saying this is not some political statement. I don't need emails from, from your mom and dad tomorrow morning, okay? I just wanna preface, not a political statement. But the biblical idea that we have been created in God's image, that is the foundation for the belief that all people are created equal and that all people have been endowed with certain rights. The biblical belief, the biblical idea that we have been created in God's image is the foundation for this truth that as Americans we champion and support. You know, on Monday we celebrated MLK Day and Martin Luther King Jr. was the leader of the civil rights movement in the United States. He fought for the rights and the equal treatment of African Americans in our country. And I want you to hear a few sentences from one of his most famous sermons, a sermon called The American Dream. Listen to what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said the whole concept of the image of God, the thing we've been talking about tonight, is the idea that all men have something within them that God injected. And this gives him a uniqueness. It gives him worth. It gives him dignity. 
And we must never forget this as a nation. There are no gradations in the image of God. Every man from a treble white to a bass black is significant on God's keyboard. Precisely because every man is made in the image of God. One day we will learn that. We will know one day that God made us to live together as brothers and to respect the dignity and worth of every man. See, students, the idea that every person has rights, that every person should be treated equally, this idea does not come from science. This idea does not come from modern, developed societies. This is a uniquely Christian belief. It's a belief that comes from the idea that all people, all men, all women have been created in the image of God. That there is inherent worth in every single human being regardless of what the law says. And Jesus, he believed in equal rights for all people. And he demonstrated this with his life and ministry. You see, Jesus' ministry took place in a time where most people did not have individual freedoms and individual rights. When Jesus was beginning his ministry, slavery was a very common practice. Women and children did not have the same status as men. And other ethnic groups were seen as inferior. But consistently throughout Jesus' ministry, you see Jesus elevate the status of the people in society that others considered less than and inferior. He elevated the status of those who did not have the same rights and equality as other people. And I wanted to give you just one example of this. When Jesus rose from the dead, the first people that Jesus appeared to, the first people that Jesus showed himself to were two women. And he tasked these two women with going and telling a group of men that he had come back to life. Now we hear that, we read over that, and we don't think much of that. But here's why this is so significant. Because back in these times, a woman's testimony was not considered legitimate. Like a woman could not be called into court because her, her testimony, her word, could not be trusted. Women were seen as second class, as inferior. They did not have the same rights and equality as men. But notice this. When Jesus came back from the dead, when Jesus had this incredible uh, mission, when he had this message to be shared to change the world, he entrusted this message with two women. And he tasked these two women with going to a group of men and testifying that he rose from the dead. Jesus consistently elevated the status of those who were disregarded of those who were seen as inferior. Jesus did not care about ethnicity. He did not care about race. He did not care about gender. He elevated the status and gave everybody an equal playing field, regardless of what the law of the land said. You see, the image of God, this biblical truth, this biblical doctrine, is incredibly relevant for our lives today. It changes the way we view ourselves it impacts how we treat other people. It inspires us to be champions for all life. And it elevates the status of every single individual, regardless of race, regardless of ethnicity, and regardless of gender. And here's what I wonder. I just wonder what would happen 
if we really took this idea seriously, if we really believed, if we really lived out this idea that every single person that we come across has been made in the image of God, that they have been designed, they have been created on purpose with a purpose. I believe that if the church would take this seriously, I believe that if we would take this seriously, it would change this world. If we truly lived out this truth from the Bible that we have been made and created in the image of God. Will you join with me as we pray? God, we thank you that these verses that were written thousands of years ago in a time and a culture that was so much different from ours have so much relevance in our lives and our world today. A world with so much division and hate. A world where people are mistreated because of the color of their skin or because of their gender, because of their, their cognitive abilities. Where innocent lives are ended. God, I pray that as believers, we would take this seriously. God, that we would be champions for all life. That we would truly believe that all life is valuable, all life is significant because you have created them, you have designed them. God, that we would be a champion for, for equal rights for all people. God, that we would look for ways in our day-to-day -day life to elevate those who have been outcast, those who are excluded, those who are seen as, as less than. God, I pray that we would have a right view of ourselves. If we struggle with insecurity, if we feel like we're a mistake, if we feel like we should have never been born, God, I pray that we would hold on to this truth that we have been designed, we've been created on purpose, with a purpose we were not a mistake. You don't make junk. And God, I pray that this would change how we treat those people in our lives, those people that annoy us, those people we don't like, those people we disagree with. God, that we wouldn't see them as enemies. We wouldn't see them as a problem. But God, that we would see them as people that you love and that you've created. God, I pray that the church, that Christians would lead the way in this. That we would take this truth seriously. That we love you and we thank you for all that you've done for us. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.